You're listening to the Live Talk with Lamb podcast hosted by me, Todd Shapiro. Brad J. Lamb, how are you doing? Nice to see you. I'm great, Todd. Uh, how are you doing? Good. Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, we spoke about a month ago uh, about your very opinionated and candid views about COVID-19. And here we are now at the beginning of June. And I would really love to sort of catch up, find out where you're at, what your thoughts are. Are they consistent to what they were a month ago? And what should we be doing here? I recently, last couple of days, released my uh, part two of the essay that I, I published about a month ago. And the part two uh, kind of takes us through what's happened in the last 30 days, just where I think we're at and what I think we need to do. My concern is... Sorry, sorry to interrupt. For highlights, for those who didn't read it, maybe take us through a couple of those highlights in part two to give it some context. The first thing I think I would say is that, well, let me, let me say this. So today I was watching the news. I was watching uh, CBC or one of those news programs. And the, the Canadian health expert, her last name is Tam. I think it's Dr. Tam. She was speaking about, you know, what people should be doing when they leave the house. One of the things she was talking about was wearing a mask, which I think is complete and total nonsense. I think most health experts will tell you that wearing a mask outside is nonsense. The chance of catching coronavirus outside is virtually zero. Almost everyone that's got coronavirus has got it from being inside. So walking around outside with a mask is ludicrous. Then she passed the conversation on to her right-hand man. He was uh, someone who was a spokesperson for uh, that department of the government. And he said, I want to come clean and talk about the current stats uh, as we have them today in COVID-19 in Canada. The first thing he said is we currently have 89,000 confirmed cases of COVID. That is a lie that they keep perpetrating. Why they keep perpetrating it, I have no idea. It's not based in science. It's a lie. What, what they should say is we have managed to test enough people to get 89,000 that have been tested as positive for coronavirus. But unfortunately, that is the tip of the iceberg for the number of people that are truly infected. And based on models and studies done all over the world, the number is actually 50 to 100 times higher. So the real number is anywhere from 4 million to 9 million people in Canada infected with COVID-19. Why that's important is that, and I talk about this in my, in my essay, is that every day when you hear, oh my God, 200 people have been tested positive in Toronto today alone for COVID-19. And that sends people into panic. And the government says, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, we may have to social distance more and shut down the economy. And we might have to go back in quarantine. And that's nonsense. The number of people that have been infected with COVID is in the millions 200 people, 300 people here or there is, is a drop in the bucket and irrelevant. And why also it's irrelevant is because what we should care about is not how many people are reported as getting COVID. We should care about the number of people admitted to the hospital, the net 
hospital admissions, the number of people that the hospital has on a day-to-day basis are going up or going down. That's what matters because those are the people that are being seriously affected by COVID. If you have a slight cough because of COVID, or if you have COVID and you have no idea you have it because you have no symptoms, why the fuck do we care about that? You know why we care about it? Because of infection, because you might get someone else infected. But if, in fact, we are protecting those that shouldn't be out, like those in old age homes. The last time I saw someone who was in a long-term care facility walking around the street was never. They're in a long-care health facility because they're not able to walk around in society anymore. They're being taken care of in a home. So those folks should not be contaminated by the guy that has a slight cough who's at work. Let's pinpoint who's at risk. Let's not paint the entire country and say everyone has to die. Everyone has to starve to death. Everyone has to lose their business. Everyone has to have no employment income. We have to bankrupt the economy and the government for future generations to be eating who knows what. Let's focus on the people that are actually at risk. And those clearly 80% of the people that have died from COVID in Canada were sheltered in long-term care facilities. They were 80 years and older, okay? Now that should never have happened. But you can't blame that on a six-year-old child who wanted to go to school. Like, why did they have to do with it? They weren't in the long-term care facility. Long-term care facilities should have been from the get-go because every single year, long-term care facilities are in a panic about the flu, the seasonal flu. And they have to take precautions every year to protect people for the seasonal flu. And good ones do that. But every year, older folks die from the seasonal flu because of they get pneumonia, they get sick, they die. It happens all the time because of this. It's not good. It's just reality of life. So we should have protected those people. We continued, We should continue to protect those people specifically. And the other 20% of people that have died from COVID, they won't come clean on exactly who those people are because we know that they're 80 plus in the, in the 80% of, of deaths, 80 plus in old age homes or long care health facilities. The other 20% are people from other walks of life. Now, who are they? They should tell us exactly who they are so we can protect those people. And I'm going to tell you that 6,500 people have died from COVID now. Uh, One quarter of that is about 1,600 people. So 1,600 people in the country have died from COVID that weren't in long-term care facilities, 1,600 people. And of that, how many of those were between 70 and 80 that were very sick with cancers or some other uh, type of disease that's affected their immune uh, system. We should know that. We should know that. And then what we should do is if those are the people that are most seriously affected, we should be working our butts off to make them safe. And everyone else won't have contact with those people until COVID-19 is blown away. And then all of those other people, which represents, I don't know, 98% of the population, 99% of the population can go back to fucking work. But come November, Everyone's going to be yelling and pointing fingers at how did we get into such a bad economic position? How did this happen? Who dropped the ball? And it's going to be Trudeau, Ford, our mayor, all the politicians, all the public health experts that back this idea are going to get shelved. It's going to happen because the numbers are going to be so bad and we won't be able to justify this action to protect so few people, because the number truly is so small. Because if you take out the ones that absolutely should be protected, if you're in a long-term healthcare facility, you're there to be protected. They should have the ultimate protection. It's terrible they didn't. But that's 80% of the people that have gotten sick, eight out of 10 people. Brad, um, 
you're using statistics here to back stuff up, but when I think you sound a bit insensitive when you tell people it's ludicrous to wear a mask. If that's people's comfort level, why do you care? Why do you care if people should go around? Is it that it creates the paranoia still, that it, it perpetrates sort of what everyone's kind of feed into us? Because quite honestly, I don't go to a, a store without a mask on. You know, when I go shop for my family, I wear a mask because that's what makes me feel comfortable. And I don't really care if people look at me that I'm, maybe it's silly. Well, it is silly. It, it is silly to wear a mask. It's not silly to wear a mask if you're working in a long-term uh, healthcare facility for older folks. It's not silly to wear a mask if you're around your grandfather who's emphysema. But it's silly for you to wear a mask around me because I'm not going to die from COVID-19. And so you're wasting your, your so, so here's why it's not a good idea. Because it perpetuates the myth that this is a very serious illness for everybody. And it's not, it's a very serious illness for a few people. Would you wear a mask during flu season? Did you wear a mask last year during flu season? I've never uh, ever worn You've a mask. You've never in your life worn a mask. But, but, but honestly, Todd, Todd, you are as likely to die from COVID as you are from the flu. You personally are as likely to die from COVID as you are from the flu. So you're wearing a mask largely to protect your family. It's irrelevant for you to wear a mask. It doesn't matter. And so what would I do? But what I don't, I agree. I understand it's a comfort level for you. But okay, what, what about like, an airplane? What about it? Would hold you on, go on a second. Airplane? Let me finish. What yeah. I don't like about that is that it perpetuates the myth and it's going to make the misery that people are going to feel far, far deeper. So the longer we hide in our houses and we socially distance and we wear masks, the longer this is going to last and the more misery people are going to face. And in the end, we're going to look at each other and say, did we need to do it? And the answer is going to be, Todd, you never needed to wear a mask. You didn't need to do it. And by you wearing a mask, you're scaring other people into wearing a mask. We all wear masks because we all wear masks. That's why we're doing it, because we're being advised we should be doing this, so we're all doing it. But the reality is I haven't worn a mask since, since COVID started. No, I, wore, I had to go to my medical facility to get a, uh, my eyes checked the other day. I had to wear a mask because they made me. But I'm not wearing a mask. I, it's not necessary for me to wear a mask. So you, no, you, if, you want, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. That's what I'm what saying. What I'm saying so, no, to you is you don't need to wear a mask. Yeah. Again, and, and sometimes I feel silly personally doing so, but it's sort of my own prerogative. And, and that's, and, you know, I hope it doesn't instill fear in others or paranoia. And listen, I'm, I'm as I've told you, I've kind of camped out up in the country for the last couple of months because yeah. I, I got a growing family. And the small towns, I'm one of the rare ones. I will say I'm one of the rare people wearing these masks. I you know, Todd, it, like it perpetuates, it, it, what it does is it perpetuates, in my mind, the myth that you need to. The more people that wear them, the more people that wear them. It, it's, like a, it's like a virus on its own. Oh my goodness. You know, and you go to stores now, some stores are forcing you to wear a mask to go shopping for food. Listen, they're following what they think is their corporate policy. What I'm saying is that if you didn't wear a mask last year because of the flu, I don't think you need to wear a mask this year because of COVID-19. I know that's what the medical experts are saying. Some of them, there are many medical experts that are saying wear a mask is a complete waste of time. And by the way, Dr. I, Fauci, I, I, Dr. Fauci, you got to believe that Dr. Fauci is a man of substance and knowledge. And Dr. Fauci, up until maybe a month ago, was laughing at people wearing masks, saying how unnecessary it was and how ridiculous it was. And for whatever reason, Dr. Fauci has flipped, and now he's saying to wear a mask. It's interesting, though. I mean, the guy's been in the business of this stuff 
of, of being a medical expert in this area for 50 years. 49 years and 10 months into it, he decides that now he's an incompetent boob and he made a mistake about masks. I don't think so. There's lots of now evidence and scientific reports out about what the true mortality rate is here. And the true mortality rate here is about 0.1%, between 0.1 and 0.2%, which is the same as a seasonal flu. And that's been borne out by science. Do you think more people, Brad, are starting to come on board with how you're speaking? Do you think more people are going, you know what? It doesn't seem as risky as they've made me think. And I want to live my life, quite frankly. Absolutely. I think think still the majority of people. The United States did a a poll about 10 days ago. 35% wanted no social distancing, just get out and do their thing. Uh, 55% said follow government mandate. 10% didn't know. I think that number today is probably pushed past 40 and I think it'll push past 50, but it'll push past 50 when it's too late. When, when the herd moves, it'll be too late. And government will move when the herd moves, but it'll be too late. We've waited too long and we've killed the economy. And that's why I'm speaking out like this. I fear we're going to kill the economy and the effects of that are going to be far worse than the 500,000 people that will die from COVID this year. 650,000 people roughly uh, in a bad year of the flu die on an annual basis on a bad year. Probably something like 500 to 600,000 people will die from COVID this year. It's still a terrible number, but it's a number we expect every year from the flu. So all of this stuff came about because the numbers that governments were told were artificially high. There were models that were set and Canada, Trudeau was told 350,000 people could die. And Trump was told 2.2 million. Boris Johnson was told 500,000 people. So let's look at Canada. We were told 350,000 people could die and 6,500 have died. Okay, so do you think that Justin Trudeau, if he was told that, I don't know, 10,000 Canadians would die from COVID-19, and if he's also told in a bad flu year 8,000 Canadians die, would he have done this? Would he have done what we're into right now? Do you think he would have? If the numbers that they, all these people received were better numbers... They wouldn't have done this, but the numbers they got were shit. And based on those numbers, they did what they needed to do. They had to. But now we know more. Now we know that the numbers are not going to be anywhere close, anywhere close to what they're told. What are your thoughts on opening up the economy as, as immediately as possible, meaning small business, large business, you name it. Let's just get going the way we're going before pre-COVID. Everything. I think but everything it, should be open with no social it, distancing. But do you think there should be measures in place? No. Testing, social no. distancing. No, just no. go the way we're but, going. Well, listen, listen. I think from the standpoint of understanding the virus and modeling this virus better, so next time if another virus pops up, we have better models and we won't make the same mistake we made this time. But I, I don't think it's necessary for handling this today. I think that we understand now, you know, there's a certain number of people that will likely die when a virus comes again into the population of the planet. And the modeling will show that this is probably what we can do and what we can't do. And it's going to be, you know, how many lives can you save or can you save actually lives? Are we, are we actually going to save lives by doing all this? Or are we just going to put off some of these illnesses for later and by flattening the curve? That remains to be seen. It's going to take years to know that. But I don't think it's necessary to test people anymore. I think we understand who we need to protect. So we should focus the billions of dollars we're pissing away on monthly stipends when people could be working and not getting monthly stipends. We should take that money. We should invest it in the economy. We should invest it in, in keeping these, these homes for elderly better managed and safe, since that's where the bulk of people are dying. And then everyone else, 
that potentially is a risk here. We should clearly educate them and inform them, and we should make sure they stay separate till such time as we have herd immunity or we have a cure. And that way, the massive majority of people in the 90 percentages, 95, whatever percent, 98% of people can go back to work, do what they do, save the planet from itself. We need to take care of human beings and we're not taking care of human beings en masse. For instance, countries like India, Nigeria, uh, Malaysia, you know, poor countries, they require and they rely on trade. They need to manufacture items and sell them to us. All these countries are suffering financially. In India, the president of India called off social distancing and the curfews because they couldn't sustain it. People were dying. People would starve to death in India. There's too many people and not enough money to spread around. So our first world problem of quarantining and stopping trade and shutting down the economy has spread as a far worse virus to the third world. And the estimate is hundreds of millions. Now, again, it's a model. They're always wrong. But the estimate is hundreds of millions of people are going to die from starvation because of COVID. So we've had 500,000 or maybe have 500,000 deaths from COVID worldwide. And we have hundreds of millions of deaths from starvation worldwide. Was it worth it? Isn't a life a life? Aren't all lives valued the same? Why is a starvation life valued less than a COVID death life? Especially when the COVID death lives could have probably been saved by better analysis of who was getting sick and focusing the care to them. And that's my argument. That's not what we're doing. So we're slaughtering humanity for the sake of this virus. And it's not the smart way to do it. That's what I'm saying. It's not smart what we're doing. I think we're going to see too, there should be a lot more funds going to those who are getting depressed and so, you know, mental health issues based out of this too. I think that's going to be something that I don't, anyone considered. Well, listen, I considered from day one, I've been tweeting and and texting and blogging and everything about it. One of the first things I said, I reported on all of the the cancer deaths and heart attacks and and drug overdoses and alcohol-related deaths and car crashes and so on. All of that was not considered. And, And by the way, I guarantee you, there'll be a massive and is a massive spike in suicide and murder, spousal abuse, all of those things. I guarantee you, you're gonna see that over the next few months and we've already probably seen it. And it just goes to, I mean, there's so many people on the fringe of economic collapse, let's call that that, for a family where their income is so important, their income doesn't go towards buying a Chanel purse or a Cartier brooch, it goes into paying rent and food and gas in the car to get to work. And if they don't have enough money to pay for those three things, something suffers. They don't pay the rent, they're on the street. They don't buy food, their kids starve. And that causes enormous amounts of stress to parents. I'm telling you, this is a massive problem. It's, it's, I think it's bigger than a pandemic. And this is not properly being looked at by the folks that are shutting us down and continuing these emergency measures. They're just not Brad- looking at it properly. You're a developer all across the uh, the country here, and uh, I think we're sort of specifically talking Toronto, but are other cities doing things differently, and are you impressed with the way other cities or provinces are dealing with this, or is it all is it all full of shit in your opinion? All governments are espousing social distancing, which I think is just hogwash. I don't think it's the way to go. 
Quebec has been uh, more advanced than Ontario. I, I'm actually surprised in Doug Ford uh, and, and how he's led this. I don't think he's done the right thing. I think he's being very cautious, which is maybe his nature, but that he's not doing the right thing. And caution right now, it this is a time for bold action, not caution. I don't think he's doing the right thing. I think he's got his heart's in the right place, but I think he's badly advised. But no, I don't think any place, the United States, there are places in the United States that are leading with perhaps a bolder foot forward, but we have a planet of six or eight, whatever it is, seven billion people, and every day people die. And they die from illness every day. And it's not that their life wasn't precious, but we cannot stop it. Government has never taken responsibility for the flu. They've never taken responsibility for Ebola. They're not responsible for these. They didn't create them. Why is our government responsible for it? I think public health is responsible to have us, you know, have the best reaction to it. But I don't think they, are, they have to take responsibility for all these deaths. And I think government around the world has put in a position where they've taken this on their shoulders and I think it's affected the policy in a very negative way. But there was a better way to deal with it. And there's a better way to deal with it now. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be bad things happen. But there's a better way to deal with it so less bad things happen overall. How's real estate doing? Real estate right now is, the market was down volume-wise 75% last month. That's in April. And reports came out today, Treb reported that we're down about 50% over last uh, May. Prices are holding in quite well. I would say prices are actually maybe up a little bit. Uh, in Hamilton, they're up about 10% year over year. So average price has risen in Hamilton. That might be a flood of people from Toronto to Hamilton. I don't know, but that's a very good number. Toronto prices are hanging in. But I'll tell you this, if the government continues to extinguish the economy and the ability of people to have a way of paying their bills and having money, Everything we know is going to suffer. So it can't happen. There's got, to be, there's got to be somebody in government that's looking at this and measuring the total, trying to balance the right reaction to, to the COVID uh, you're, illness. Brad, you're a pretty connected guy. Have you reached out to government officials to say, listen, it's your duty to get things going again and to help not only just get people back living their lives, but to stimulate this economy? Well, I've done what I can. So if government felt the way I felt, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. There's a misconnection for sure. But I also think that they've dug their hole. So what do you do now? If you're Doug Ford, you say, you know what? We misread everything. We're all boobs. The numbers we were given were wrong. We made the wrong choice. And now like a quarter of you are permanently out of work or 15% of you are permanently out of work and 25% and had businesses or permanently lost those businesses. Kind of sorry about that, guys. But, you know, oh, well, let's move on. They, what can they say now? They can't backtrack and say they were wrong and they won't do that. What they can say is they could say the data we were given forced us into a very conservative approach. We followed that approach as long as we thought we had to. There's new data now to show that this is the right tact and this is what we recommend you do. And that's what they should say. And whether they're big enough and strong enough to do it, there's probably still many people in government that don't realize that. But is it easy for you to say that because A, you don't have to be reelected and B, you don't have to have the accountability in case things get worse? Of course, of course, it's easy for me uh, to be an armchair uh, quarterback. It's going to spread eventually everywhere, as viruses do. 
And everyone, you know, there'll be a certain number of people over a certain amount of time to get infected till it blows away because of herd immunity. Eventually, calm heads have to prevail and some sense of reason has to return to us. When that happens, I don't know, but I hope it's sooner than later because I fear for our future if it's not sooner than later. Well, it's a good message that you're being as real as you can be. And I think that everyone is uh, respectful of that. They might disagree with it, but I think they live life a little bit differently than you where you're there in fear and, and it appears you're not. So um, it'll be interesting to see what st- uh, statistics show. And, and if you're right, you can tell everyone you're right for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't feel good about that though. Listen, life is hard, period. And this makes life much harder. And I don't think it needs to be, but we'll see. We'll see what happens over the next few months. And uh, I hope that uh, things return to normalcy sooner than later, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate the catch up. Thank you. If you have any questions for us, please hit us up at info at lambdevcorp.com. That's info at lambdevcorp.com. If you enjoy listening to live talk with Lamb, make sure to like, comment, 